We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something. Something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiaka's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the science of magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiaka, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome to the Science of Magic, a place where science and magic come together to transform fact into evolving truth. 
We're proudly coming to you through the ever-expanding X-Zone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and can also be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring the art of living. There's a beautiful Native American prayer, Walk in Beauty. May you walk in beauty, beauty above, beauty below, to your right, to your left, beauty before you, beauty behind you, walk in beauty, walk in beauty, walk in beauty. The prayer was designed to reestablish beauty, grace, balance, and sacredness in our lives when our feet step off the path of wholeness. We've all had times when nothing seems to work anymore, when everything we do seems for naught, and we're living in shades of gray with no hope or joy. In the modern world, it's called depression. This was traditionally seen as a result of not walking in a good way. That's not to say we're being bad people, but rather no longer following our natural instincts in living our lives. Creator designed us to listen to our internal promptings, follow our joy, and seek beauty in all things. Society is taught this is a waste of time and self-indulgent. Art, music, and ceremony have been virtually eliminated from our schools. When we ignore our promptings and no longer seek beauty or joy, we lose our way. Individuality languishes, and we become slaves of the system. Some shamanic traditions call this losing one's soul. We're all artisans at heart, naturally seeking beauty. Even the act of homemaking is an art, whereby we create an aesthetic, warm, welcoming environment in which to enfold and nurture our family and loved ones. The ancient Eastern form of feng shui encompasses the cultivation of a supportive environmental frequency through color and mindful placement of beautiful things. All places of worship incorporate the art and beauty within the structure. Religious ceremonies are an art form in and of themselves. The earth herself is a thing of beauty. From the emerald green of the forest, the azure blue of the ocean, to the rolling golden sand dunes of the desert, nature expresses herself in shades of glory which sustain and support us. The frequency of the planet rebalances and restores all things. That's why she's known to indigenous cultures as the mother. The ancient form of shamanism uses ceremony, art, rhythm, and song to restore balance and beauty to our lives. Why all this attention to the aesthetic? Beauty and the enjoyment of it is a very high frequency. It restores balance and brings joy. In absence of the aesthetic, we languish. Bringing beauty into our lives enriches and enhances all we do and all we create. Our lives and relationships were designed to be a work of art, a source of joy, not a form of drudgery. We find we live ourselves devoid of beauty. It may be time to follow our joy, engage in the art of living, and recreate our world. Our guest this hour, Michelle Fire Riverheart, has been studying shamanism for 12 years. In 2004, the need for sobriety brought her to the form. Experiencing an addictive personality and depression most of her life, she finally found healing modality that worked. Beginning with a one-year addiction program, Michelle apprenticed to continue her studies. 
In 2007, combining her passion of art and metaphysics and healing work, Michelle created Joy Infusion, a company providing healing art workshops designed for people with no art experience to have fun with the added bonus of healing opportunities. Michelle holds many workshops from sacred mask making to land art. In 2009, her higher, listening to her higher guidance, Michelle closed her business in Ottawa and came to beautiful British Columbia for intensive pers- personal healing. After this commercial break, I'll introduce Michelle, and together we'll explore shamanism, healing, ceremony, and the art of living. It could be life-changing, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Prior innovative episodes can always be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. The Science of Magic is produced by Relmar McConnell Media Company, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My Dialogue with Divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called Rise, May 8th through the 12th, 2017, and the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony a greater sense of clarity. Our RISE retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. 
Nemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Golda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is shamanic coach and artisan, Michelle Fire Riverheart. Her website, G-A-L-A-G-O-Healing.Webs.com. Michelle, thank you for joining us on the Science of Magic. Wonderful to be here, Golda. Tell me, was that your given name or did you take that on later on in life? Um, that's my medicine name. So um, your medicine name represents your energy in this lifetime, not in other lifetimes. Your spirit name represents your name that you're known throughout lifetimes. So you can either do a ceremony to pull your medicine name yourself, pulling being um, pull it into this reality, so to discover, or you can. At that time, I didn't have the knowledge, and I asked someone to do it for me. And his vision was a vision of a lava flow with heart-shaped rocks flowing down it. And so the fire river is hyphenated to represent the lava. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so your story is, a, is, is not an uncommon one. Like many of us, you've struggled with addictions and depression. Would you explain how shamanism helped you overcome this? Yeah, what it did was I had done tons and tons and tons of head work and looked into every modality I could find that wasn't spiritual, but just head work, right? And I still couldn't stay sober. And one day I saw, I was in Ottawa at the time, and we had one of those metaphysical magazines that things, and there was this ad for this this uh, program called Healing Broken Circle, which was a meld between shamanism and gestalt therapy. And spirit just said, you need to do it. So I took my money, I put it out, <laughs> not knowing how I was going to get more rent money, but what I knew is that I needed to get sober, and this was what was calling to me. So it was a long program throughout the year. Up in Toronto, you went for long weekends and then a full week of ceremony. What it did was bring to the fore the past childhood experiences that I had not even seen or, you know, discounted as being relevant because everything looked pretty on the top. And it did it through me ex- experiencing things through my body, so taking me out of my head and into my body through ceremonies and uh, different techniques and experiences. So that was totally different for me because, as most addicts realize, what we're trying to do is stay out of our body, right? <laughs> we don't want to feel 
So it teaches you to feel. It gave me techniques on how to heal my past history. And then just basically perseverance, patience, and persistence in finding strategies and working them and continuing to heal the past. And I still do that to this day. You know, if I come up against a button and as soon as I hit a button, I know that there's still something that needs to go. If I do my healing work right away, it's cleared, which is just an amazing feeling. That is the key, isn't it? It's always staying in process. I know, you know, I've worked as a shamanic practitioner for over 40 years, and the effectiveness of my service is totally dependent upon the effectiveness of my personal processing. It's not something you do and just stop, is it? No. (laughs) Well, you could do it that way, but it's not effective, because then you stop in your healing journey and you stop, stop in your evolution and growth. I personally believe we're here to evolve and grow and heal. So for me, that's just once I committed myself to the path, which was scary because then I said, you know, this is going to be lifelong and it was work at the beginning. I didn't know if it would ever be not work. And what I've realized after this many years is once you get over the hump of doing the majority of that past history work, then the extra layers of the onion are much easier to deal with. There comes a time in that process where we kind of heal beyond society, and that makes us the trailblazers, if you will, into evolution. Do you agree with that? I'm not sure what you mean about evolution, but as far as standing in leadership and being mirrors for others, yes. Yeah, that's what I was talking. What, okay. what is, speaking of which, what is your definition of shamanism? Well, for me, and like there's very many different types of shamanism, so don't listeners do not think that this is the be-all and end-all. This is just my take and my particular tradition. Um, it is a way to heal in the world and come back into balance and give you techniques and ceremonies to, to continue your life journey in beauty and power. Mm, very nice. Why do you think it works when more modern-day approaches often fail? Well, this is, again, personal, but I think we have, because of our modern societies, lost our spirituality or religion, whatever you believe in. We've lost our connection to spirit, and we've lost our communities for the most part. So our support structures have all fallen away in a very quick period of time. What I find shamanic traditions tend to do is bring you back into balance through the earth, through community, through being connected. I feel it's so dramatically. I live in the country now and I need to for my sobriety, but what I also feel is the energy shift. I go over to the city to work and it takes so much out of me because everything's concreted, there's so much noise, there's so much energy blaring at you. It's very hard to stay grounded. So shamanic traditions help you have that base of being connected so that when you go into an environment like that, you have strategies and skills to stay back and come back into balance when you leave that and hold the best balance you can when you're in that environment. That is the gift we bring, isn't it? Is by standing in true nature and taking that wherever we go, then it's available wherever we are. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and depending on how healed I am and on that particular day, because you know it varies, right? Yeah. <laughs> it varies on what day I'm like the warrior and another day I'm like the wailing child because, you know, duh, 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 duh. I mean, in, in addiction you say, what is it, help. Um, oh, I forget it. But there's triggers, right, in uh, staying in balance, and those are the pieces that still need healing. But with my strategies and my techniques to heal, as long as I have that awareness, I've found that I keep consistently being able to do 
more and more and more of the staying ground as opposed to being totally out of balance and having to go somewhere quiet to become back into balance. Mm -hmm. Were you disassociative? No. That's I good. mean, I suppose that sometimes if I was high, I might have been disassociative. <laughs> but, right? <laughs> but, you know, honestly, that that was relief back then. Now I think of it and I just, I couldn't, my body actually cringes. You know, internally I feel the cringe of, of looking back at that person. Mm-hmm. What, what all can we treat with shamanism? From what I've seen, almost everything. Now, I'm not saying you've got a broken limb, you're going to do shamanism to heal it. I'm sure there are some shamans that have extreme skills and can do that kind of uh, medicine. But for the most part, it's, it's about... I've seen cancer remission. I've seen um, coming back from the brink of death because of uh, bulimia. I've seen addictions. Um, what else have I directly seen? Um, abusive uh, relationships to others and themselves. Uh, lack of self-esteem, lack of self-worth. Um, having triggers from past childhood traumas, or adult traumas for that matter, because they tend to build on one another. So almost anything that doesn't need the trauma medicine of allopathic medicine. What do you see as the interface between allopathic medicine and shamanism? I think well, what I've seen is that we need both. I mean, we absolutely need both. If I break my arm, I am going to the doctor to get it set. What, I'm you're not, not going to call use... me up? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to use my crystals and tuning forks to set it. However, what I will do is once it's set, I will then be using shamanic techniques to encourage and help the healing. Like yeah, crystals, drums, sound medicine, right? Um, very doing, effective, isn't it? It's very effective. And using alchemy, which is, you know, a very misunderstood word in our culture, but using alchemy and intention. So from our modern perspective, dream boards and altars that uh, bring in what you want, all these different techniques, they all little pieces of the puzzle that can help you. But that being said, it's all up to you. Like how much you work it is how much you get out of it like anything. Isn't that the truth? You know, I've always, you know, we call each other, call ourselves or each other healers. Um, but really the only healer is ourself. We can only heal ourselves. We can get support from outside. But we, the, the, the job happens internally. Has that been your experience? And does shamanism work with that? Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, healer makes me cringe. <laughs> um, I started Gabriela Healing Arts here on the island, which is just a, a database and a group of all types of healing modalities. And we established at the very beginning that no one was to call themselves healers because it didn't matter which healing modality it was, we all were of the same mind that we heal ourselves. I'm a facilitator of knowledge to help you heal, but I do not heal you. It's the recalibration with the natural way or the planet, I think, is the most, that assists us the most. Is that what you found? What I found is that, that I've been in sort of trauma addiction learning for most, most of my shamanic career, is that dealing with your past history and in concert with being in balance with the planet is what is the most effective. And we have to clear our past history in order to take on the balance of the planet, actually, Absolutely. don't we? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is shamanic coaching? 
Um, well, some people call me a shaman. I say shamanic coach because that's what my certification was. It's basically we were taught a whole bunch of healing techniques and ceremonies and alchemy, uh, things in alchemy that we could do, that we can do for clients or teach to clients. So from my perspective, I've been debating this so much, actually, with people calling me a shaman. I suppose in modern-day terms, people might call me a shaman because it actually is how I walk in the world. However, for me, to be a shaman is someone that grew up with their mom or dad being the shaman and handing down all that knowledge. But that's not very often in our society that that happens. No, we have to kind of um, reintroduce the practice itself or the ceremonies themselves because we've gotten so distant from it. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, and from just celebrating everything. So ceremony, I don't know what people understand as the word ceremony, but from my perspective, we have many types. We have ceremonies that help us heal. We have ceremonies that celebrate certain points in life, like the rites of passage. So anything from that becoming sober and having held it for X number of years to your you know, 16-year-old child becoming a woman or young man becoming a man, you know, all these different ceremonies, it has such an impact on your journey when you have community around you going through a transition like that in ceremony with you. It totally changes it other than having a birthday party, which is great. You know, it's fun to celebrate. But this is much richer. It's a connection with the everything. It's taking your own power while being uh, supported by your community, by your family. Mm. We're, we're going to have to take a quick break, um, mm-hmm. but I would love to pick up, because ceremony is a hugely important topic, I'd love to pick up with it on the other side of the break. Michelle and I will return to do our discussion. We're coming to you through the land leading edge of paranormal broadcasting, the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Michelle and I will be back. We'll talk about ceremony, so don't you go away. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. 
Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is shamanic coach and artisan Michelle Fire Riverheart. Her website is G-A-L-A-G-O, healing.webs.com. Michelle, we were talking about ceremony. How do you, uh, what's, what's, what's the shamanic concept of ceremony and why, what do you think is the value and purpose of it? Okay, so uh, with, with us, all ceremonies, for the most part, um, if they're healing ceremonies, uh, start with us, you know, smudging the space and yourself and creating a medicine wheel, which is um, it's eight points on a compass. And you call in certain energies, and you create the center of the circle is the space you're going to do your ceremony in. Um, then it's ceremonies are all individual and we tend not to talk about them unless you're doing them about to do them because ego has a very cunning way of talking you out of ceremonies. <laughs> so <laughs> it's best 
<laughs> to just say, yes, I'm committing to a ceremony, and then you hear nothing more until you arrive on the day. The value of it is that it doesn't allow ego to pop you out and give you excuses to not go. You can, you can manifest a fabulous illness just to not go to ceremony. <laughs> My girlfriend and I that uh, did the Healing the Broken Circle together, we had to drive up to Toronto from Ottawa all the time. And uh, we would never want to go. We would never want to go. And we're going, okay, what, what, what can we do to not go? And then the other one would say, well, we have to go. You know we have to go. Yes, I know, but I don't want to go. And we would do this dance for, for a good long time. But we're on the way. It's just the ego making you nervous because you are nervous because what it knows is that you're about to, it's about to lose some power. <laughs> because when you heal, you give back to the spirit and you take away from the ego. Not to say the ego is bad. It's a wonderful teacher. And I'm glad it's there. I would never have healed. But that's the little dance. Hmm. So from there, what ceremony does is that, first of all, you call in alchemy as well. So it, it shifts the time. So you know when you have a wonderful experience, how the time goes faster. And when it's awful, it slows down, right? Well, ceremony just alters time completely. What I've noticed and others is that when you're in ceremony, time really has no meaning. You come out of ceremony and you haven't a clue how long it took. And that's because you are in an altered state. Without drugs, <laughs> without anything, you have just called in alchemy and you have committed to ceremony and that shifts the energy. And it allows you to be in a place of neutrality so that you can call up hard parts of your history, do your work to let them go, your forgiveness work, your acceptance work. It also illuminates things that you didn't know were there. They just pop up because of the design of the ceremony. So that's probably why our ego is kind of resisting it, right? Because it's going to be altered if we bring up things that we don't know, bring them to consciousness. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> would, would you speak to ceremony as an art form? Um, some parts were. I've walked two different pathways, and we had healing ceremonies um, that we did uh, sand paintings. There was a sand painting that was particular to each ceremony. Um, we have a lot of art in lots of the ceremonies. Um, you know, I did one. Take, I had one taking back my power, and I made a a huge staff of power that I have in my home to this day. And what I find the value of making sacred things through art is that you then take it home. And it's a reminder of that moment and that power that you had in that moment because we're human, right? So we leave the ceremony and we're all gassed up and empowered and we feel fantastic. And then we go back into the regular world. And when you have enough distance from that ceremony, you can forget about how powerful and how much healing you had done. And looking at that stick, I always remember a moment that I, you know, that I drew a line in the sand with that completed stick. And if I'm ever wavering and, you know, ego's getting the better of me, I look at that stick and I'm like, okay, no, absolutely not. I have done the work. I'm, I'm done with this. So they're tools and they're very useful. So if I put this in kind of a pseudo-scientific format, mm -hmm. the ceremony builds subroutines to change our behavior and our experience, and the ob objects of art are symbolic of that that brings us back into that space, drops us back into those neurological pathways or subroutines. Does that add up for you? Wow, I'd never thought of it in those terms, but yeah, that does. 
<laughs> That's why with the, with the science of magic, right? We got to have a little mm-hmm. bit of both. <laughs> you know, shamanism involves many art forms: drum, rattle, mask, and shield building, shield building to rhythm and dance and song. Why do you think the arts are considered so important in shamanic practices? Why do people wear crosses? <laughs> right? It's it's they're symbols, and most of them, from my experience, we make them in ceremony, so they are very sacred. Um, when you do anything that way, I, you know when you give birth, and some people will relate, some won't, but when you give birth, you have created that child. And even if you're not the birthing person, if you have anything to do with that child's growth and evolution, you have birthed that child. And that that experience is incredible. It's incredibly sacred. Well, I see all those tools as little births. And they're actually part of you. I find even if you buy something that has been created in that way and not just created for art, you can feel there's a different energy. It's, it's really amazing. interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that's why they call them power tools, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, I, I, get, I teach a class called Power Tools, and I'm a, a master drum builder in the Lakota way. Mm-hmm. And um, we're very mindful to give gratitude for every object clear back to its origins that we use in creating a sacred tool. Can you speak to that and gratitude? Yes. Um, and you know I can put it in very simple ways of everyday life. I started to bless my food before I ate it and and thank all the energies that went into creating that food and thank them for their giveaway, giveaway being that they gave up themselves for me, for my nourishment. And what I noticed, the huge shift for me was that now I look at a coffee and I don't see coffee. I see the, the person picking those beans wherever in the world, but not in my part of the world, right? And the cow that gave the milk or the almonds that were grown for the milk, whatever you use, it totally shifts your perspective, but it also really, uh, it makes my heart sing in a way to do any kind of honoring. It just changed it. So before I started the show, I asked for help from a certain um, entity that I work with, and I did an honoring. And it feels like that makes a connection, an energetic connection. It's, it's amazing, also, yeah. Yeah, a way to say thank you, right? It, yeah. yeah, exactly. Before, before we do these shows, I set up Sacred Space um, mm-hmm. where I'm working and, um, and set, set up a container for us to work out of in a sacred way to best serve all concerned. And boy, it really helps. It makes such a difference. Why, why do you think aesthetics and creating art can be so healing? Well, because I think personally that art, particularly art we create for ourselves, is pieces of ourselves, pieces of our soul. They are an easy way to see your own beauty, right? When I create art, it's, even if it's not for sacred tools, but just art for art's sake, I always look at that and smile. I've never made a piece of art where I've gone, eh. <laughs> I have in the middle of it, right? But until I get the, ah. Oh, and I think that's because it is a piece of me. In fact, I, had, I lived with my teachers, and so I knew a lot of my community before they'd ever seen my home because I didn't have a home. I lived with the teachers. And I was a very, very angry little girl. 
when I went into healing. So that was the first experience they had with me, this, this angry person that actually frightened people. I find it humorous now, but I do understand it. <laughs> and then I had one friend, like three, four years later, come into my home. And she stood around and she looked and she went, oh, my goodness, now I see your spirit. Mm. Right? She had never seen the beauty side of me to that extent where it was externalized because I'd always been on my intense healing journey when I'd walked with her. Very interesting. And I find that's true with other people. You go into someone's house and that tells you a lot about that person. It is the same with art, except I think to an even greater extent because as kids we just make art, right? We don't judge it. So if we get into the space of creating art without judgment, that's just, oh, it's amazing. It's our soul just being expressed into form. So how can art heal? Well, so I blended um, actual art with healing. So one of the things I did was mask making. So I took a concept I'd had a ceremony with and put it into a, an, a more, um, an easier form to, so that it's not so hard. So the, the path I walked, shamanism, it's extremely edgy. <laughs> what I've learned is to have different layers of edginess so that I can afford healing, healing opportunities for more people than less. So I created this mask making. So you make a mask that you put on, on made of your face, and you work with a partner. So now imagine you've got either you're putting putting gauze and, and um, what is it, plaster of Paris on another person's face, or you're receiving it. Both ends of that experience are extremely edgy. <laughs> so my job working with those two people is that when they hit those edges, so for the person having the mask on, quite often it's claustrophobia, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, um, for the people that are putting it on, I saw a lot of judgment. I'm not doing it right. Oh, it's good. You're going to hate it. I'm not doing it right. right? <laughs> All these things are opportunities to heal. So I would work with them and give them techniques to move through that. At the end of the day, with you know with the painting and everything, that also illuminates things for, for them because they would paint what they showed the world on the outside of the mask and what they truly felt inside themselves on the inside of the mask. And again, because you're working in a form that you, is easier to not be judgmental about because you're just coming to express something without it being pretty. I always told my, my, my clients, art doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to be a representation, symbolic representation of what you are feeling. And so it brings up things that they never knew. You know, they would look, look at the inside and go, oh, I, oh, yes, okay, I, I didn't... I kind of knew that, but I didn't know that. And then again, as soon as they hit those edges, and it's very obvious, I'm sure you know as well, when someone hits an edge, there you go, you jump in, do you need help, shall we do this or that to help move this energy out and heal this piece right now. That's so, what I find. So yeah, the art but, brings, brings up those edges to be worked with. Yes, in a much gentler way than saying to someone, do you want to do a ceremony? Right? And healing ceremony, because healing ceremony, as opposed to art, healing art workshop, there's a very different energy in our mental constructs of that Absolutely. Work. 
Absolutely. Well, we're going to have to take another another little break here. Michelle and I will be back shortly. You're listening to The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net, the place where altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric create common ground for the betterment of our world. We're brought to you by the leader in paranormal, spirituality, and alternative health programming, the Exxon Broadcast Network. They can be found at xzbn.net. Network broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN TV. For more information on the X Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. President of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. 
Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. What happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is shamanic coach and artisan, Michelle Fire River Hart. Her website, G-A-L-A-G-O, healing.webs.com. Michelle, would you tell us some about your training? Who'd you study with, and where'd you get your shamanic coaching certificate? Um, okay, so it's two places, but they're connected. So I'll start at the beginning. So the head Nagwals, which are like the spiritual leaders of the Hopi, the Maya, the Cree, the Cheyenne, and the, the Crow, all had the same vision back in 76, and that was that they should bring the teachings, their teachings, out to all the people, not just people the, of, of Native American origin. And so they braided their knowledge and offered it to everyone. And so that was the pathway that I started on. Um, then and, and that was also part of the healing the broken circle. They had to create addiction ceremonies because they never used to be addiction in First Nations ceremonies, First Nations, so they didn't need those ceremonies, but that was also part of this, this pathway. Um, then one of the top road people, which um, they traveled the road doing teachings, etc., decided to branch out on her own because she wanted to make the teachings uh, more autonomous. Uh, less uh, less structured and as far as so if I have a gift as a, as a crystal doctor I can do that without jumping through a lot of other hoops which I'd have to have done on the other pathway so to give you opportunities to go with your strengths quicker um, and so I studied with them and lived with them for three and a half years although I had also taken uh, a number of years in Ottawa with their their program so I started the coaching program in Ottawa and then finished it at their house. Um, they, 
each of them have, I think one's got 30 years in shamanism and the other one 25. And what I knew about uh, my primary teacher that helped me walk out of addiction was she was probably the only one at that moment in time that could. She, she had been an addict, which to me was important because otherwise I didn't feel they would know what they were talking about. And she was ruthless, but ruthless in the light, and that's exactly what I needed. So it was very interesting. Uh, she wouldn't take any crap off me, <laughs> which was extremely important because I was very angry and very ruthless myself, but totally in the dark. So, And I made a commitment to her, and I don't break commitments. So that was the way I walked out of it. And within that journey of being doing the intensive apprenticeship with them, I also finally finished up my certificate and my practicum and then started uh, offering my services to the public in general. So do your coaching sessions, and that's, that's part of what you offer, right, are coaching sessions. Mm-hmm. D- does that work long distance? Some of it can, but I really try to avoid it because what I've found is that a person can disconnect if, you, if, you're, if you're working long distance, Right. They can, if they go into extreme fear and jump out of it, they can just disconnect. And I have no opportunity except through the spirit realm to help them through it. Whereas if I'm person on person right there, it's a lot harder for someone to walk away and negate their healing journey. So it gives me more of an opportunity to support them and encourage them to persevere through. And then some things just do not do not compute through the through the media of Skype or, or the telephone. I mean, you have to be one-on-one ceremony, for instance. If, if it's something that I need to walk them through the ceremony, obviously I've got to be with them. There are a lot of ceremonies they can do on their own. But, uh, yeah, I find it more important to be together. Before we get too far in this last segment, would you mind sharing uh, where people can find you and your services? Um, Yeah, basically from my website. I live on Gabriola, but I am willing to travel. Um, And so, you you know, just make contact through the website, and then I'll I'll get back to you. Um, It is a weird name, by the way, (laughs) because Galago is my healing animal, which is a bush baby. So uh, I had a lot of uh, advice to not use such a weird name, but Spirit just told me that that's what I was supposed to use. So... Um, that's what it means. Galago is a bush baby. Okay, and would you tell us your website again, please? Galago Healing, which is G-A-L-A-G-O dot webs, sorry, galagohealing.webs.com. Perfect, thank you. So what can a person expect to gain from a shamanic coaching session? Well, what I do is I work with them where they're at. So that's the first question. What is your intent today? Like, what is coming up for you? Because we can say, okay, I want to address my past history, but that's a really huge subject. What's ready to heal is what's bugging you right now. So that's what we do. And how much a person gets out of it is, is how willing they are to negate their ego and do their work. Um, yeah. And how much it resonates to. I mean, I always talk to someone on the phone before, the, or try to, before they come to see me so that we can ensure that this is resonating for them. This is the pathway. Shamanism is fabulous for me. It's the way I heal, but it's not for everybody. Yeah, that's so true. You know, it's it's some people just have too much standing between them and, and trying something so very different from our 
prior traditions um, that it's just they it's, they just get in their own way with it. I've I've certainly seen that. So finding that it's a good fit is so important. Um, so do you, how do you find that a shaman you practice the shamanism you practice differs from the indigenous forms? Um, honestly, I don't know a lot about the indigenous forms. I have no Native American blood or First Nations blood. Um, what I, the little bit I've seen is that now with how we do it, we were encouraged that we blend all of our healing arts. So if you've taken Reiki or you've um, taken some uh, other massage therapy or whatever, work with all your gifts. So it's, we don't honor necessarily the historical traditions. Um, I uh, have a friend that is First Nations and walks the very traditional pathway. And for me, it pushes too many buttons in terms of um, how much we've evolved and grown with, with um, sexuality or um, yeah, sexism, things like that, that for me don't work. Now, that could be because of my past history, <laughs> but that's the difference I see. So who knows? Yeah, it's interesting, and, and I always say, well, so when was the tradition? I mean, the, um, it was a matriarchal society, most of our indigenous people on this on continent, until the black robes came. So traditionally, mm-hmm. it wasn't patriarchal. Traditionally, it was more matriarchal. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, there's a dogmatic adherence to some traditions that aren't the original traditions, and I understand how that can be difficult to work around. You mentioned uh, working with your teachers to recreate your life. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by recreate a life, and how does one do that? Okay, well, um, if anyone that's been a severe addict knows, you blow up your life is what you do. That's usually when you ask for help, is when you, you, you've got no more money, you've got nowhere to go, you've got nowhere to live, you cross that last straw, as I say. And that's where I was at. Um, I, <laughs> I had three weeks to, no, I had a month to get out of where I needed to live, where I was living, and I knew I had no money to move anywhere else. Um, I was so in addiction that I was starting to impact my business life, which I had never done before. And I was, I was totally desperate. I had no more hope. And it was my only blood warrior sister that said to me, you need to leave your life, Michelle. And I said, what damn difference is that going to make? I've done healing the broken circle. I've done addiction ceremonies. Nothing has worked. What difference is that going to make? And she said to me, you cannot hold your sobriety in your life because my life was full of addicts mm. and full mm-hmm. of stress, right? And I had tried and I had tried and I had prayed and I had done the work, but it wasn't holding because I couldn't hold it in that environment. So I had to actually leave everything, and I mean, I left everything. My teacher gave me three weeks to come out here, because she had never done it before. I had anyone to come and stay with them to heal. And uh, on the phone, when I asked her, she said, well, I'll get back to you. I've got to ask my partner. And she got back to me, and she said, we say yes, but you will be here for three months minimum, and you will be here in three weeks. And I went, but? And she (laughs) said, I know you can do it. Click. (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i did and i I look back and i don't know how i did because i was in deep addiction but i i recycled everything i own pretty much what little i kept i put into five different places five different people's homes or barns or whatever i manifested five thousand dollars when i had zero and i was out here in three weeks just shaking and baking (laughs) 
<laughs> so that was the start. That was the big step, right? That's the hardest part. And then, oh, and she did one big thing. She said, you're not allowed to bring your car because she knew I'd probably run. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I literally left my child, closed up two businesses. My child was an adult living on her own at that point, but she was still very young and needed me. So it was big because I knew I was abandoning her. But I had to abandon her to save my life. Mm. And um, and I left my partner, <laughs> who I'd been with for 11 years. I left it all. I just left it all. And uh, then I started the, the work, the actual work. Um, and little by little, more and more I healed. I had made a commitment to myself to not leave that land until I mm. knew I could hold my sobriety. And it you took know, three and a half ta- years. Time flies and we're out of it. Michelle, thank you so much for your beautiful heart-to-heart sharing and your work in the world. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Our our guest this hour has been shamanic coach and artisan Michelle Fire Riverheart. Her website, G-A-L-G-A-G-O, healingwebs.com. This has been The Science of Magic. Remember, you can always listen to past thought-provoking episodes on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you embrace the art of living.